The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to be inspired, uplifted, and motivated to greatness? It's time for Star Style. Be the star you are. With your effervescent personal growth coaches, the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and health specialist, Heather Brittany. Define your vision, discover your passion, and design your future in this power-packed hour of life-changing talk radio. Featuring authors and success experts dedicated to helping you achieve the results you deserve. Be entertained, edutained, encouraged, and empowered. Smile, have fun, and celebrate you. Explore your potential and embrace your possibilities with your hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany on Star Style. Be the star you are, starting right now. It's power party time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, the world's finest program of positive book talk. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we are so delighted to be your personal growth success coaches here with you every week on the airwaves. We bring you the information, the authors, the experts, the professionals that help you expand your life and be more fulfilled. So get ready to pump your energy. Love, learn, laugh, listen, and we want you to live your dreams. We are a show about following your heart, doing what you love, champagne for the spirit, and we hope that's a movement that you will want to incorporate into your daily living. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Star Style Productions. If you are interested in writing, speaking, or media coaching, give us a call at 925-377-STAR. That's 925-377-7827 or visit starstyleproductions.com. And Heather, this is from one of your very favorite authors, Oscar Wilde. Oh, yes. Uh, be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. I and actually have a magnet on my refrigerator with that of his. Do you really? I and you've do. never shared I that miracle moment. I, I love, love this. I know. It's a great one to live by, and it's really what we're about here at Be the Star You Are. It's what we mean. Be yourself, because everybody's taken. So you go Be ahead and shine. You in capital others. Exactly. Are. You are. And then I, I have a second one from another one of my most famous philosophers and people, and this is Benjamin Franklin. The doors of wisdom are never shut. And mm -hmm. I think that was a very good one, because today we're going to be having a very interesting show. Heather's going to be bringing us in health matters, some Eastern medicine, uh, and we're going to be talking about acupuncture. So that is definitely wisdom. And then the rest of the show is really about revolution, social movements, cultural revolution. Scott Goodson's book called Uprising is going to be our first guest, and it's how to build a brand and change the world by sparking 
cultural movements or cultural revolutions. And then we're going to have a historical fiction novel by Dora Levi Musinen, and this is The Last Romanov, and that's just a fascinating historical look, as well as, you know, some fun stuff intermingled there about the last of the Russian dynasty at the end of the 1900, um, yeah, 1900s. So a really great show for you today. And before we get into acupuncture, Heather and I are just thrilled to announce that what we've been talking about for weeks, the merger of the American Federation of Television and Radio Yay! Artists and Screen yeah. Actors Guild, we are all one union now. So we are really excited about this merger. We have a new entity. It's now called SAG-AFTRA, and SAG members voted 82% in favor of the merger, and AFTRA members voted uh, 86%, and this exceeded the 60% threshold that was needing, needed. So now our one union is comprised of more than 150,000 actors, announcers, broadcasters, journalists, dancers, DJs, news writers, news editors, Program hosts like Heather and I, puppeteers, recording artists, singers, stunt performers, voiceover artists, and other media professionals. So you will be seeing their work, our work, in theaters, on TV, radio, sound recordings, internet games, mobile devices, home videos, and of course, the big screen. So congratulations yeah. and thank you to everyone who made this happen. Uh, as I've said before on the program, I have voted for it three times since I have been third a member of the, the union, <laughs> and the third time was the charm. So I think, uh, you know, it's, I'm really excited about that. Well, we're going to get into acupuncture. It involves the insertion of very, very thin needles through the skin at strategic points on the body, and the key, it is a key component of traditional Chinese medicine, and it's most commonly used to treat pain, and of course, not just Chinese, but mu much of uh, Eastern medicine. Now, Traditional Chinese medicine explains acupuncture as a technique for balancing the flow of energy, the life force. We know it as qi, and that's either spelled C-H-I or Q-I. And it is supposedly that it helps the qi flow through pathways, which are also called meridians in your body, and by inserting the needles in specific points. Acupuncture practitioners believe that your energy flow is going to rebalance. So, Heather... I know you were going to talk to us about it today, and I'm excited about this because I recently had some acupuncture, actually, while I was on my pirate presentation yeah. cruise. And, and um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you the results after we hear more about what you want to talk about. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I know that Western practitioners are, are trying to use a little bit more of Eastern medicine, which I think is a smart move. Yeah, and you know, and and, and really the, the jury's sort of out on is it exactly. It, it uh, originated from ancient Chinese medicine, and just your thing is thin, tiny little, using stainless steel uh, needles that are inserted in particular points in your body, sort of like pressure points or acupuncture points. And, you know, the, the things that they say it can do anything for helping with nausea and pain and migraines and arthritis, all this kind of stuff. And I personally have had done acupuncture before. I was having some stomach issues and I did it. And, and, um, I thought, you know, afterwards I felt sort of like after you get a massage, this sense of almost re relief, you feel, um, better. And, and, um, and that's sort of, you know, a, an interesting concept of it is they kind of, 
Wish wash. I mean, in order in the United States, at least in 23 states, you do have to be licensed for it. Um, there's many different programs um, that, you know, it can take similar to like, med- uh, like medical school or massage therapy. If you have to go through training, you have to do, you know, particular um, hours amount, uh, you know, of just sort of clinical before you can get certified. There's tests, which I think are great things, especially, you know, even even though there's very little chance of uh, injury with acupuncture, anytime there's any kind of manipulation of the body or going in pressure points, um, there is a possibility that there you know, could be injury. So I think it's, it's really vital, and I think it's a great thing that they do um, license it and really, you know, make sure that it is something being monitored. Something in some studies that I saw that I found to be really fascinating is, of course, you know, people say they do feel better, and there's no, you know, denying it, but also it has to do possibly, you know, with the placebo effect of it, too, that you, you know, you feel that you're you're doing um, sort of a holistic approach to health, and it's stimulating um, particular senses of your body, sort of just like massage or, or taking herbs or, you know, getting sunshine, things like that, that no doubt that they are, in fact, helping you. But it's really to the extreme that, you know, there's these claims of what they're doing. Um, as it is, I actually, you know, I, I had done it before, and who knows, you know, if it was just the placebo or what, but I thought I felt I felt better afterwards. You know, that, sort of that odd thing of, you know, not that, you know, I didn't have a surgery or I didn't have a wonderful relaxing massage, but just something I felt um, stimulated or something just felt different. Yeah, you know, I want to just, uh, I want to just add my experience to it because I've had acupuncture several times in for different things over the years. And the very first time I had it was at a really, really very sad and traumatic time in my life. And it was when my, it was, oh, I think six months or so after my brother had been killed in a tractor accident. And I believe because of the sorrow, my back had gone into such spasms that I could hardly walk. And I went to from surgeon to surgeon and all these doctors, and everyone said that the only way that I was not going to be in a wheelchair is if I, if I ended up... Um, having surgery and you know I was too young and so someone suggested that I go to this Chinese acupuncturist which I thought hey I have nothing to lose right if I'm going to end up in surgery anyway exactly and so I I went to him and I did as you said I felt some relief after it I did four sessions it was like twice a week or once I can't remember exactly what was interesting I only saw the man four times and um, I never saw him again, and it I was completely fine and was able to walk after that. And what he had told me, and whether, it, you know, who knows, but he said that my I was so sad, my body was so sad that my meridians literally had shut down. And so that I was, you know, I was shutting down myself. <laughs> I needed, yeah, so I needed that. So that I thought that was interesting, and so that was one time. And then I just recently... Did it again in um, when I was speaking on this uh, in the Caribbean on my pirate trip, and I think whenever I travel and I have to carry a lot of bags, and in this case, you know, I had an entire suitcase of costumes, and then I'm doing my books, so I got to lug my books around. Oh, my back kills me! And the first thing I like to do when I get to the hotel is book a um, 
is to book a massage. But in this Mm -hmm. case, they, they uh, had a, um, they had an acupuncturist and I thought, eh, I'm going to try it. (laughs) So again, I did. And I don't find it particularly relaxing to get acupuncture. I just do think that, you know, if you're, if it's helping you. Well, what was interesting is by the next day, I really felt great. I didn't feel tired. I felt great. And I thought, wow, that was like miracle. It was great. But then a couple of days later, I didn't feel so good. <laughs> and then what's interesting is that I don't know if it was the acupuncture that kicked in, but I have really felt, you know, what have I been back three weeks now? Something like that. And I have felt really great the entire time yeah. with no and, back or anything. So maybe it was like a residual effect. And that's what I mean. That's why um, I actually were, you know, I was just kind of, uh, doing some different uh, clinical training stuff, and I did one day um, did a clinical training in uh, a chiropractic office. And now this chiropractic office um, also did massage and acupuncture, sort of more holistic ways. And which is something that's interesting is that a lot of um, if you've been injured with work, workers comp, um, and even some insurances will cover acupuncture or cover these kind of holistic medicines because um, one, they're much cheaper than you know, any kind of, um, you know, high you know, medications you have to take or surgeries. And it's sort of you know, a, a way, too, to avoid having to take, you know, medicines or, or having these procedures. And they have a lot of repeat patients. And, and the interesting thing is asking, you know, if something's working, why do people need to come back? But it's not on that regular basis. Just as you're saying, they would have this done, you know, maybe for a week straight, and then not need to come back for many months. And um, though it was, you know, maybe only temporary, but it was relieving their pain and doing it at a cost efficient as well as, you know, they weren't having to go, you know, take any kind of medicines or, you know, have any of these surgeries. So though maybe the um, feeling, you know, of getting better wasn't lasting as long, um, it was Again, this sort of a healthier way. And, right. You know, I don't think that's a placebo good. effect, though. I don't think that's a placebo. I really do think that that is something that is changing the chemistry or as exactly. the, uh, the, exactly. you know, the body. So, I mean, I do think it does, from what I know of it and from the experience I've had of it, it is stimulating your nerves and your muscles and your connective tissues. And maybe that's what is boosting some of your body's natural painkillers or endorphins or something. So what I like is that it's getting blood to the area, and and so it's much better for you than taking a, a drug or something. Yeah, it's, it's just a thing, you know, kind of opening up these these meridian, these, these waves of chi. Um, I just know, you know, with simple things, though, I, I do love a good deep tissue, long massage, um, you know, where I really feel that afterwards, it's interesting how you know, after the acupuncture, I remember afterwards, you not really feeling much, it's sort of things will, you know, the next day you wake up and you feel like, wow, something, something just happened. And I think, you know, I'm one of the, the, the believers, but, um, you know, it is different for everyone. I, I think possibly, you know, what does encourage is that feeling that, um, you know, you feel like you have done something more healthy for your body and that you're getting better. And, you know, as we know, one of the biggest things with health and getting better is really 
to have that healthy mindset of, you know, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to walk. I'm going to do these things. I'm not living in, oh, I'm in so much pain. It's a positive positive mindset. Well, I do think, so would your recommendation, I mean, I I think that acupuncture is a very good alternative, and I do like the idea that Western medicine is looking into Eastern medicine and a combination of both is great because the Eastern medicine is like 3,000 years old, so it's been tested for quite a while. What's your recommendation? Mm-hmm. And then it is time to give out the websites. I know. As always, well, you know, I think the power of positivity, try things out, not, you know, try it before you knock it. Um, and, uh, yeah, definitely give it a shot. It's amazing. It's covered by your insurance. Low cost. So definitely, um, we want you to check out the website. Go to BeTheStarYouAre.org as well as BeTheStarYouAre.com. All right. Well, thank you. And Heather is actually broadcasting from the state of Washington today while I am in California. And, of course, Matt, our engineer, is in Arizona. So the the uh, wonderful technology. Well, we, we love it. We love it. Well, when we come back from from break, we are really starting the revolution. It's an uprising, how to build a brand and change the world by sparking cultural movements. Scott Goodson will be with us, and you don't want to miss this because we're going to start a movement right here. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And you're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be back in a bit. Be the star you are. The star you are. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be The Star You Are, a 501c3 top-rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org All donations are tax-deductible. www.bethestarur.org Be the lucky star Are you a teenager with lots to say but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel and join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com. You can express yourself. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. 
Get ready to be inspired, entertained, and motivated to greatness with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Turn up the volume. Tune in to the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, back to the program with the Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. You'll find all you need in a life that shines. Well, thank you so much for staying with us right here on Star Style. Be the star you are, broadcasting live since 1998. This is where you are the star and where we bring you the authors and experts who enhance, enlighten, and expand your horizon. We are so happy that you are with us. Well, wherever we turn today, we hear the word movement. Now, it's not just cultural. It's also in marketing. The days of madmen are numbered as people want purpose and they want connection. Scott Goodson is the founder of the global movement marketing agency, Strawberry Frog. He believes that brands should spark movements, not just create ads. Originally from Montreal, Scott has spent an entire career creating legendary brands from his own agency in Sweden, Holland, Brazil, and America, and he is now an author of a groundbreaking book that is really bound for bestseller list. It's called Uprising, How to Build a Brand and Change the World by Sparking a Cultural Movement. Welcome, Scott, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you, Cynthia. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm re- it's really fun to have you. My gosh, you have worked on so many great projects throughout your career, and they've been more than ads. They've really been, you know, they have been movements, and they have really changed people's lives for the better. But before we get into that, let's talk about what is your definition of a movement? You know, what is a movement? And then I'd like to have you also tell us what, is, what do movements have to do with marketing? Well, I think a movement is basically an organized community of passionate individuals uh, that are moving to change the world in some way. They have a cause, and they're on a mission, and they're not passive. They're, they're active, and they've been ignited by uh, an idea, um, and that's what anyone today can do. And you know... Well, and it's it's when you say the word passion, because that was what my real question was, is why was passion so critical to energizing a movement? And, of course, you already answered that, because without passion, we don't have any purpose. And people really want to know that they count and that they're valuable and that everybody, there's something, there's movements around everything, right? Absolutely. I mean, you, you can, I think today you can, you know, we're really living in the era when anyone, any individual, whether you're a, uh, a woman who's starting a business uh, on your own, whether you're a tech innovator, or whether you're the CEO of a big company, you have the power today to crystallize an idea uh, that can rally thousands, millions of people around the world. Uh, people want, you know, people are restless. People want to be engaged. People feel strongly about a lot of issues. And now they have the opportunity to connect with you instantly. And that is fueling this era of um, uprisings. Um, And, you know, it is about passion. People feel passionate about issues. Um, And if you understand that simple principle, you know, uh, you can move mountains today. You can move the world. You no longer need to be you know, a charismatic leader, and you no longer need to be the wealthiest man on the, in, in, in the world 
or a massive corporation. You can be one person in a small town with a really big idea, and that is enough to create uh, a, a really interesting global movement. Well, and technology has had so much to do with this because it because we're in this time where we can tweet and we have Facebook and you know you have Google and you have your cell phones. Things people people talk and connect very quickly. So it's not like it has to be published in a newspaper or you don't have to do a commercial around it and occupy Wall Street. I mean, right in your backyard is such a great example of how something local has gone global. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, it's funny. I was in um, Dartmouth, uh, New Hampshire, and Dartmouth, uh, obviously they have a college there. Uh, and even in Dartmouth, there was this little uh, Occupy Dartmouth um, on the corner, you know. And I was in Europe over the summer, and there was uh, an Occupy uh, Stockholm, and there was an Occupy Toronto. And there's so as a conceptual as a movement, it, you know, it spread incredibly quickly. In the last few months, we've seen the rise of this Coney movement, Coney 2012. Um, and, you know, everything you said is accurate. You know, technology in the hands of everyone uh, through cell phones has made it now possible to spread messages uh, instantaneously and connect. You know, if you think about it, every individual has now, you know, 100, 200, 400, 1,000 or more friends instantly connected to them. And each one of them have about the same number of people connected. And so if you can have a passionate, an idea that people can get behind, a cause, um, and it's more than, I think the purpose is important. I think, you know, as a, as a company, you can have a purpose, uh, and that's critical. Um, I think a movement you need one step more than that. You need to find an idea that is out there in society that is relevant to a broad range of people, and you have to connect that idea back to your your purpose in some way. So it's not only about you. What makes a movement big is when you have an idea that's already out there. It's how people are feeling. It's kind of like, you know, if you look at the great social movements over the last couple of years, whether they're, whether it's the Tea Party or it's the, um, the movement, the Coney movement I mentioned to you, or the Occupy Wall Street movement, or uh, the, you know, the, move, the uprisings that occurred in Egypt or in uh, Greece or in London, uh, any of those movements really were about an idea that was out there in society, and someone just crystallized it with a thought. And a, and a flag and, and all the things that really help people feel and experience an idea. And then they created pictures and songs and content, and that was all shared, and it really helped spread the idea. Uh, but it's not, about, it's not so much about you. It's really about how people are feeling and, and, the, and the ability to find that idea out there and tie it back to you in some way is what makes that powerful movement happen. 
Well, and another thing that's so interesting about movements in the way that you describe them in your book, and by the way, for our listeners just joining us, we are speaking with Scott Goodson, and he has just authored a new book called Uprising. He is the the founder of the global movement marketing agency, Strawberry Frog. But what I am really uh, think is so fascinating about movements is there really aren't any identifiable leaders. Somebody might have created it, but then it truly becomes a movement of the masses. And that, to me, is what's interesting. I know last year, Scott, I was in a new movie called Tapping the Source, which was after The Secret. It's the sequel Mm -hmm. of The Secret. And they call it, from the beginning, they said it's not just a movie, it's a movement. Mm-hmm. And, and I found that so fascinating because it is, it's like, it's almost like people's consciousness today have changed in that we all really want to make some kind of difference on the planet. And at the same time, you know, we want to be heard. We want we want to get whatever it is that we want across, but we want to do it together. So here's where I want to talk to you about because you are really into branding and your your company, Strawberry Frog, really believes about brand sparking movements. And however, you don't act like, you know, the TV series Mad Men. You don't act like Madison Avenue at all. You come about it in a different way. And I'd, I'd like you to share some of these things of how you get companies to really buy into the ideal, the company personnel to believe in it, and then from there sparks the movement. Well, again, I think the way you do that is you need to, first of all, you need to understand the culture of a, of a company. You have to understand what they stand for and, and what their purpose is. But in order for it to become a movement, you have to find an idea out there on the rise in culture that people are feeling, and you have to tie that back to uh, them in some ways. And, and a good example of that is uh, I worked years ago um, when we started Strawberry Frog on, on IKEA, which is the Swedish uh, furniture brand, <laughs> and that was not a traditional furniture store. I mean, IKEA... In the days we worked on it, uh, the man who owned the company, Ingmar Kamprad, was, he really believed that this was a philosophy that he was bringing to the world. And he believed that um, not only the rich uh, should have beautiful furniture. Um, and so when we were working on it, you know, it wasn't for the rich. IKEA was for the wives. And it was a movement um, talking about bringing great design to everyone, um, and it really tied into the democratization of beauty and style and quality that people cared about. You know, they said, why should I be left out? It's unfair. You know, why can't I have uh, a piece of furniture in my house that makes me feel like an individual, makes me feel proud to bring home friends? And, and um, we also we worked with um, all, all sorts of different companies. Uh, I'll give you another example. We worked with the Smart Car, which is a very small car from uh, Mercedes-Benz. Uh, uh, it was originally developed by uh, Swatch, uh, the founder of the Swatch company, uh, Mr. Hayek. And we, Strawberry Frog actually helped launch that back in the late 90s in Europe. Uh, and then we worked with it uh, last year here in the United States. And in the United States... Uh, the car, I don't know if you're familiar with it, it's a very small car. 
uh, and it is very fuel efficient, and it had lost its audience. I mean, there were not a lot of people that uh, felt the car was relevant to them. So we went out and we did some social anthropology, and we talked to people across America, and what we found out were was that in the Great Recession, people were, were kind of fed up with the concept of excess, you know, that living in a society where, you know, there was a mass overconsumption just felt really not very right for a lot of people. So what we did was we created a movement against big mass overconsumption. Uh, and the, the brand that, you know, sparked that was the smart car. And we went from being a one-dimensional you know, product that had relevance to a few people to being a movement that was about fighting against excess, which was relevant to you know, millions of people across the country. And that's so just started- a brilliant That's a brilliant campaign, and it is a brilliant movement because people do care about that whole idea of excess. I mean, it's like, how much do you need? How much do you need? And you, know, and you can imagine from that point how people who had... Uh, maybe, you know, come from it different backgrounds or different perspectives all could come over, you know, that idea and connect over that idea. So whether you were, uh, someone who worked as a, in, in New York City in, in, a, in a fashion company or whether you were in LA and you worked, uh, in a, uh, in a law office or whether you were a, a single mom living in Texas. I mean, everybody, could relate to that, and it brought people together, uh, in this case, virtually, because we had a community on uh, in social media, and we were able to generate uh, a lot of passionate people, and we created the big uh, promotional event that every car company has near the end of the year, which was called the Great Dumb Trade-In, where you could trade in your big, dumb, big, excessive product that you had bought, like a hot dog roaster that could hot, you know, roast 12 hot dogs, Anything like that, you could trade it in for a smart car, uh, and we had. And that's you know, brilliant too, because it has a sense of humor. I think yeah. the sense of humor think, there was you know, very you important. Need a sense of humor. Not every, not every movement needs to be ho- holier than thou. Um, and I think you do need a sense of humor um, today, especially if I think you know you can be a movement for something. Uh, like Apple is a movement for creativity and. Um, other brands uh, are like Nike is a move up and being active and just doing it. Uh, and other brands, uh, in this case, smart is against dumb mask overconsumption. In that case, you have to have a sense of humor if you're against something. Well, I want to first of all give out your website um, here, and we'll give it again. It's uprisingmovements.com. That's U P rising movements with an s dot com you have to go to this website because there are lots of blogs videos all kinds of fun things and of course you can um, follow them um, go to twitter and like them on facebook and the name of the book again is simply uprising and author scott goodson uh, a few key steps that you have said communicates a movement idea was you really have to align with a powerful idea, which we've already talked about in defining a, a culture, and then you have to create the content and actions. But I thought something that was very interesting that was also important is you actually do have to come from, you have to really have a place too. It's not like you just make up this idea and you run with it. They're real, it really has to take place either in a park or a, you know, somewhere. It's like 
where somebody can gather. Why is that so important? I think you want to have a physical manifestation uh, where people can meet and they can gather and they can break bread or sign a document. Uh, we did a, um, a, a movement for Pfizer um, a few years ago called the Boomer Coalition where we uh, we created a movement to really stamp out uh, CVD, which is cardiovascular disease. And uh, we initiated that movement. We brought together celebrities from uh, basically the boomer generation, Lionel Richie and Mia Farrow, um, and a number of other, um, the Fonz, Wonder Woman, all of these personalities were there. And they were all friends of Barry White and John Ritter and other uh, celebrities that had died of uh, cardiovascular disease. And we, you know, we started this physical, this movement that grew uh, across the country with the signing of a pledge and a document. And I think that physical manifestation is really important. It's like how America started, you know. We Well, it was huge because a- people hadn't really heard of CVD or cardiovascular disease before. And now we know how it's killing men and women. And, you know, women have actually a very, uh, that's one of the heart, that's the number one cause of death of women. Well, Scott, we're, we're out of time as we always run out of time on this show, especially when we're doing something good. But the name of this book is Uprising, How to Build a Brand and Change the World by Sparking Cultural Movements. Scott Goodson is the author. The website, uprisingmovements.com. This is just really, really a forward way of thinking. It's the way that people are thinking today. It's the way that customers want to be treated. It's the way we create loyalty. And we really bring passion and purpose to our lives when we operate in this method. So it's a great book, Scott. And I'm really glad that you took the time and you're crazy busy many continent schedule <laughs> i don't know well, I how you did it. this i think mike's schedule is crazy but you're all you were all over the world all the time so uprising so thank you scott so much for sharing your book right here on star style be the star you are again everyone go to uprisingmovements.com. it's a revolution it's a positive revolution and we're all a part of it scott goodson is our author Scott, thank you for being on Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you, Cynthia. This has been great. We will be in touch. And when we come back from break, we have another revolution. It's the last Romanov. It's the Russian Revolution with Dora Levy-Mussin. And when we are back, I'm Cynthia Bryan at Star Style. Be the star you are. Back in a bit. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Looking for unique, one-of-a-kind gifts for the special woman in your life? The Carmony Collection creates handmade handbags, clutches, candles, and canvases from vintage and recycled fabrics, bangles, and beads. Be eco-friendly and fashionable with prices for all pocketbooks. Visit www.carmonycollection.com. That's Carmony with a K and Collection with a K. Or call 925-785-7827. 
Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7888. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org Be the lucky star you the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, thank you so much. You are here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where the world comes to talk, listen, learn, laugh, and lead. And my name is Cynthia Bryan. The names Romanov, Rasputin, Russia, and Revolution are synonymous with the first part of the 20th century as a time of political upheaval, warfare, poverty, and prophecy. International best-selling author of Harem and of Courtesan, Dora Levi Musinen weaves together another tapestry of mystery and magic and murder in her newest historical novel, the last Romanov. Welcome, Dora, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Oh, thank you so much, Cynthia. Did I just having... slaughter your last name? How do you actually say it? I think I didn't say it correctly. Dora Levy Mosanen. Mosanen. Okay, I put the accent it's on the wrong book. syllable. Sorry about that. Well, this is just a wonderful read. You are a, a glorious storyteller and a very, very beautiful tapestry like. A writer, everything flowed. It was like jewels on the page. So I want to get to the Romanovs. For almost a hundred years, the, that whole demise of the Romanov dynasty, it's been dissected and it's been debated. It's, it's been devoured by historians and, and political pundits as well as storytellers. But you spent a lot of time researching the details and then you inserted some colorful characters, which appear to be based on some of your own roots of being born in Israel, raised in Iran, and then, of course, you've lived here in the U.S. Tell us what attracted you to this particular period in history. Yes, well, you know, I'm usually attracted to uh, political eras that, in a way, implode into themselves, and I'm attracted to decadence and uh, the way the last Romanov came to life was actually, you will not believe this, but in 1991, when I learned about the discovery of the remains of the Romanov bones after 
73 years. Uh, I thought, hmm, this is very interesting, and I started following the details with great fascination. And I learned about, after tremendous research, I learned about uh, the fate of the Romanovs, how from this high decadence and excess, they were murdered in the Epatia cellar in the house of special purpose. And I wanted to know why. Why would a royal family go from that height to that place? And the reason for that also, why I was also interested, was because I myself, who had left Iran during the revolution, had seen that happen in Iran, the Pahlavi dynasty, the very powerful dynasty, just crumbled. It seemed like in a few months, we thought they were invincible, and I thought, huh, what would happen if, well, this is still what we think, it. I should tell you, my expatriates and myself, the Iranians who live in America think, what if the Islamic Republic is overthrown, and the Pahlavi dynasty is brought back. And I thought, what if Alexei, the heir to the 300-year-old Romanov throne, survived? And would he be in a position to be brought back, to bring back the 300-year-old dynasty? And this was a seed that bloomed into a novel that eventually became the last Romanov. And this, to me, was what I thought was fascinating, is that you actually lived through a revolution yourself. So there's a part of you that could truly identify with either the people, the dynasty, what was going on during this time period, because everything that we read about the Romanovs, it's like you we wonder, as citizens looking back now, how could they not have known that their people are starving and suffering when they are living in such opulence? But it it just they just didn't see it. They didn't oh, see yes. it coming. They, they were so um, they they were living in a cocoon, and it was a cocoon of denial. Uh, the world around them was completely falling apart, but they would not believe it. And you're right. I, had, I have experienced not only a revolution, but I was born in Israel when the war of Israel, the war of independence was going on. When I moved to Iran, uh, just a week after that, the Mossad al coup d'etat of 1953 happened. And then in 1979, the Islamic Revolution. So I've seen my own fair share of wars and revolution, and indeed I could relate very much to the political upheavals that took place during that time. Uh, during, uh, you know, it's, it was my research were, took me years and years, if I would say from 1991, because it was very difficult to put together and understand clearly what caused the Bolshevik uprising eventually, because there were so many small revolutions, chains of revolutions that happened before the Bolshevik uprising and eventually uh, communism. Uh, 
Well, and it's very interesting because the Bolshevik uprising and the whole Russian Revolution is very similar to the French Revolution of 1789, except for, of course, Russia became USSR, and then we had Lenin, and then we had communism. But the fact that the royal families were living, you know, with so much, where everyone else had so little, that the inequities became just overwhelming. But I want to get to some of these parts that you, besides what's really in history, but where you took a little creative license and really created a beautiful, beautiful, intriguing story with your characters who um, are mythical characters, but at the same time, maybe there was somebody like um, Daria or... Or uh, what about Jasmine? Was there any Jasmine, the Persian dancer? Yes, one because of my I thought the, she's my favorite character, and I kept thinking because I don't know if it's answered anywhere. Did is there any evidence that Nicholas did indeed sire any other children with someone else while he was away at these other wars? I mean, in your research, I had never heard that, and I thought that's very interesting. Well, I should tell you um, how these characters came into life, I should tell you. It was around, I believe I was uh, somewhat, way, you know, probably halfway through my novel when my father came to me and asked me, Dora, what are you writing about? And I said, well, I'm writing about the Romanovs. And he looked at me and basically laid the guilt on thick. He said, Dora... How can my own flesh and blood write about those anti-Semites? And I thought, oh, he has a point. I'm a Jewish writer. My own father fought in the War of Independence for Israel. My grandfather wrote the history of the Iranian Jews. How am I going to handle this? So I replied to my father, and I said, you know that? I am an author. I'm the creator of this story. I'm going to plant my own Esther and Mordechai in this court. And this is how Daria came into being. And then she falls in love with Avram, who, of course, is a Jewish artist and who becomes the voice, basically, for the Jewish population. Because, as you know, at the time, there were terrible pogroms going on. And uh, Tsar Nicholas, too, was... An anti-Semite. Well, and you know, I, you know, until I actually read this, I, I never, I, you know, you always read about these horrible pogroms, but I never realized how, how much that Nicholas was an anti-Semite. And oh, he was that, an anti-Semite, so much so that when uh, President Theodore Roosevelt, at the time, he warned him to stop his very cruel oppression of the Jews, he completely disregarded. And, and he actually increased it. He it, actually increased the that pogroms. That is true. Yes, that's true. I'm impressed. You know that history very well. Well, that I mean, to me, that is that is just you know. Of course, as we know throughout history, the Jews have been persecuted for everything and been the scapegoats for everything. It seems like any time, which is why it's really important that a writer such as yourself can get this information out there and also write characters that are very, very good, caring, loving, bringing enlightenment, I think, to the world and representing the Jewish um, religion, tradition, and culture in such a positive light. And with that, I loved the fact that you used the opal. 
that to me was really interesting that she has the opal eye because I know that you've written about the opal and you know what it means and and the the you know the warmth that it has this whole mythical reputation mythical story that's right but it's also perceived as the sensitive and emotional gemstone but with a lot of power and she had so much power but i want to go back to yasmin and and by the way listeners we are talking about the brand new book the last romanoff from dora levi mosanen did i say that right this time yes mosanen yes yeah. it? <laughs> it's okay. levy just levy it's, dora levy mosanen yeah levy yes. is fine m o s s a n e n and um because this this character she was obviously very much in love with him and the wonderful thing which i don't you know we find out more about her at the end and that to me was um a wonderful surprise <laughs> <laughs> well you know you were asking me about whether this is historically true or not uh what is historically true is that nicholas ii the tsar uh was in love with a ballerina but she was russian but of course i went ahead and took liberty and created you know i can't get away from my iranian cultural background too far away with my books so i had to have my own persian dancer there right oh, and i so- love that okay that's <laughs> better i that's a good one good so this is how she came into life in that book Well, and you know, she brings a, a lot of joy in there. Now, another thing that you know I thought was interesting is how you you talk about the oryx a lot, which yes. is um these are creatures that were the forerunners of cows and bulls, but but from history, I believe the last ones actually died out in Poland like in the 17th century in like 1627 or something. But you have these oryx in the forest that they're that they're hunting and there's the great huntress Sabrina who is Daria's mother um who goes out she you know she would prefer to hunt these was there a symbolism that you were planting there by having these these are you know these are very huge they're like mythical creatures as well yes they were mythical creatures as well and uh it, yes uh, it is believed that they were became extinct in uh 1917 but not it was not a certain thing and throughout history and fairy tales and russian myths oryks come back again and again as mythical creatures who can bring either good luck or bad luck or um be uh, the, the, the bring messages you know to hunters around them so in a way i was fascinated by it and uh i i wanted to have it in my book so i think it worked well with uh the with sabrina who's a wonderful uh huntress herself oh yes yeah I, it was great to have them in there and the the other very interesting is this amber is it ambergris 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 yes. which is uh we is either regurgitation or fecal matter from the sperm whale when it uh, can't digest yes. the beaks the beaks of uh, the squid or octopus or things like that now has uh, is there a um, 
I know that it's used in fragrances, etc. But do you know, was it actually used with um, the Romanovs? Was it actually used to help him? Well, in history, it was definitely used, and that's another uh, type of mythical uh, subject that it was used for magical uh, elements and in different kind of pharmaceutical things and uh, to for to promote uh, potency and uh, to heal and all of that. As you know, nowadays it's it's very expensive and it's used in perfumes uh, to, in a way, uh, keep the Sense. Right, it, it enhances the fragrance. The pl- fragrance, but it's used in very, very few perfumes nowadays because it is very well, expensive. It's too expensive. Well, I'm going to have just one final question about Rasputin because he seems to be at the center of of, of questions of whether it, he was responsible for the downfall of the Romanovs, whether he really was just a madman or was he really a mystic? I mean, he had... Well, he was certainly not a madman. He was a mystic. He was certainly not a madman. And he was welcomed into uh, the imperial court despite his unkempt appearance and debauchery, which was well known, because he ended up indeed being able to uh, stem the internal bleeding of the Zarevich, who, as you know, was hemophilic. And they think that was because he had a hypnotic effect. Well, Dora, you know, we're coming to the end of our segment. I want to give out your website. The name of the book is The Last Romanov, and I'm sure you all loved Harem and Courtesan. Well, this one is not going to disappoint. And the website is Dora Levy Mosanen, M, and it's L-E-V-Y-M-O-S-S-A-N-E-N with her first name, Dora, in front of it, dot com, Dora Levy Mosanen, dot com, and lots of information there. The book, The Last Romanov, you'll be able to get it everywhere. So, Dora, just wrap it up for us. I mean, I you've just created this lovely, lovely tapestry that is filled with the gems and rubies and opals, and then... On the other side of it, it has so much meaning and uh, prophecy and historical elements. How, now that it's finished and you're on to the next one, what would you like the readers to take away from your book? Oh, my goodness. I think you have described it better than I could ever describe it. I just want the readers to enjoy the trip, to learn about history, to, learn, to see how I bring in all the different cultures I've experienced into my stories and enjoy it. Well, thank you. Well, you will enjoy it. I loved it right to the very last second. Great for book clubs, the last Romanov. Dora, thanks for being here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and sharing your wonderful book. We're going to look forward to your next one, which I know you are working on. So we'll hope that you'll come back and talk to us then. Thank you, Cynthia. I appreciate this. Well, the last Romanov, and thank all of you for being great listeners. You've been listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We're with you here every single week. So make sure you are tuned in to World Talk Radio. Go out into the world, make it a great day, and remember, be the star you are. I'm Cynthia Bryan. Thanks for joining me.
Thank you for tuning in every week for the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Our goal is to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to reach for the stars and shine brightly. For further information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. You're invited to our Power Party next week and every week right here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel with the dynamic duo, the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, our health hero, Heather Brittany, and the pioneers on the planet. We'll pour more champagne for the spirit with positive, uplifting, life-changing radio. Until we play again, be the star you are. You are.